You've been hearing them talk about it in the House of Commons for days now. You heard Andrew Scheer get up and ask the Prime Minister about it the other day, the, other day, the border crisis. What's he doing to deal with this issue? And here was Scheer's question. This has been an issue for well over a year, but this Prime Minister has failed to take any concrete steps to address the situation. In fact, it was the Prime Minister's own words that encouraged this crisis to start in the first place. What was the Prime Minister's answer? Blame the Conservatives. They created massive backlogs and processing delays, which we're still working to fix. They want to know concrete actions. Well, we've invested $173 million, which include $74 million to ensure faster processing of claims. They've also muzzled border guards, and maybe that $173 million has gone into the temporary, quote-unquote, temporary I'm doing air quotes. I'm the only person in the room. I'm still doing air quotes with my fingers. The temporary structures at Roxham Road, the infamous border crossing between New York State and the province of Quebec. Candace Malcolm is a regular columnist on these issues. She is with the True North Initiative. She's written a book on immigration called Losing True North. And earlier today, As it happens, as I'm trying to get a hold of her and say, Candace, you got this interesting article posted. Can can you come on the radio? Uh, She said, well, actually, I'm I'm down at Roxham Road. A little bit bizarre, but thank you for the time tonight, Candace. Thank you for having me on, Brian. What brought you to Roxham Road? Well, Brian, I happened to be in Montreal this weekend to be at a conference, and, you know, it's close to Montreal. I'd I'd been following reports last summer of people lining up on the streets of Montreal to sign up for their welfare benefits once they had come through illegally. So I figured so close I might as well head down and take a look with my own eyes and see what they have set up there. So I went down across the border legally to, to New York State, drove up and around and saw what it looked like from the other side, from the U.S., and just so happened that while I was there, taxi pulled up, family of four jumped out, walked across illegally. About five minutes later, the same thing happened again. So there is a pretty steady flow of people crossing. We tried to do interviews with the RCMP, CBSA, but they were told that they weren't allowed to talk to us. So we didn't get any interviews, but we we saw the story, uh, you know, with my own eyes and, and, um, going to have a report on, on what exactly it was that I saw coming out later on. All right, so let me ask you about them being muzzled in a moment. But first, let's stick with what you saw. So you went to both sides. Mm-hmm. Uh, Roxham Road is only a few kilometers away from a legal border crossing, isn't it? Yes, that's right. We So we crossed at the legal border crossing. Um, it's set up there. It's a pretty major throughway. People going from Montreal down to New York. So we, we I, I've through. used it myself for leisure trips down there when I lived in Montreal. Yeah. So also yeah. interviewed, by the way, you'll like this. I interviewed Danny Coderre when he was immigration minister at that border crossing as he defended why the third safe country agreement was needed and had to be enforced. Wow, that's <laughs> ironic, isn't it? It really is because he became the uh, the poster boy for Montreal being a sanctuary city. Right. Well, that's sort of the issue. So you see this, you know, legal border crossing, people, you know, doing everything legally the way that they're supposed to. It's a bit of a headache, to be honest. We told the um, border officials in the U.S. exactly what we were doing, my colleague and I. And, you know, they we had to talk to several people. We had to explain who we were, exactly what we were going down for, looking at passports, explaining everything about ourselves. And that's just, you know, the, the regular thing you're used to when crossing a border. 
Um, and it was interesting to compare that experience with going down, you know, just a few miles away to the experience of, of people who claim to be refugees that are, you know, asylum seekers. And, you know, it seems almost a lot easier for them. They just really walk across. They're told that what they're doing is illegal. They continue to proceed. And then they get, they get detained by the Canadian government. They get contain, detained by the RCMP who are there. But it's all set up almost like an official border crossing, even though it's an unofficial border crossing. So it's just bizarre to me that they don't apply the laws and the rules at that makeshift border crossing that's so close to the other border crossing. You know, they could easily do that. They could declare it an official border crossing. The Americans may dispute that, and it might make problems that way. But it would allow them to turn people back. Right now, I I feel for the RCMP because I've spoken to a couple of officers that have been sent down because they, they've been rotating them in and out. It's such a, a strain on local resources that they've got to bring people in from other parts of the country to deal with this. And that's probably one of the untold costs for the Mounties who have better things to worry about than manning what has become a de facto border crossing. They shouldn't be doing this, but the, the, the officers, they don't like doing it, but all they're allowed to do is wait until someone does cross the border and then arrest them. And you're, yeah, they're, they're, not, they're not allowed to turn them back. You're absolutely right. And I, we really got the impression, you know, we went over to the Canadian side, the Quebec side. We had a nice conversation with the few RCMP officers that are there. Great guys. You know, they're, they're working hard. They're doing the best they can. And it's not up to them. Even the decision not to be able to talk to the media. You know, they said, we wish we could talk to you. Why don't you call the higher-ups and, and ask if, if you can make an exception or if we can talk to you. But we've been told that we're not allowed to talk to journalists, even though, you know, my job and your job, Brian, is to tell Canadians, is to tell a story to Canadians. So the fact that our government officials are preventing journalists from telling a story to Canadians really doesn't show any kind of openness and transparency that we should expect from this government. Let's talk about the fact that they are being muzzled now because Justin Trudeau and the Liberals made a big deal about uh, Mean Steve. You know, that was the the, the nickname for Stephen Harper at CBC, the uh, the Liberal... Um, a house organ. Uh, they called him Mean Steve, and you know he told scientists you can't talk and blah blah and all of this, and yet they're telling the border officers who used to be able to talk to media, you can't talk. What's That's going right. on there? You you you've seen a leaked memo on this. Yeah, so it was interesting, Brian. There was a memo that was dated April 12th that came from the Department of Public Safety, so Ralph Goodale's department, and it was a, a, a letter to CBSA officials telling them that only designated spokespeople can give statements or observations to the media. So basically just a, a memo cracking down on individuals who have been talking to the press, talking to media, telling the individual officers that they're not allowed to speak to the, to the media. They're not allowed to even provide their observations of what of what they're going through or what they've been going through. So this is really a crackdown on individuals being able to explain to Canadians what is going on. So we only get it from one official source. You know, we've all been we've all heard the excuses that Justin Trudeau repeats over and over again in question period that, that don't really get into what's going on. They don't really answer the questions at depth. They're just uh, they just sort of blame the level. conservatives. 
surface level talking points, exactly. And, you know, that was my experience today. I wanted to ask the individual RCMP officers, you know, what is it like to be doing this day after day? How many people come through? What is the process? How was the experience? You know, what are all these buildings that have been built around here? What, are, what, is, that, what is that shed over there? What are these vehicles for? You know, just asking questions. And they have a very strict um, order not to be able to communicate whatsoever. So, you know, especially for a government that ran on openness and transparency. When it comes to this issue, which, you know, Brent, I could tell that the CBSA officers and the RCMP officers wanted to talk to me. I could tell they had opinions and that they had things that they wished they could tell me. They even said, they even said we wish we could do an interview. But we, you know, I, I don't blame them for not. They don't want to risk their jobs. They don't want to risk you know, doing something uh, that might be able to get tracked back to them. And it's just unfortunate because this is a really important issue, and Canadians across the country care about this. I, I get people that reach out to me all the time. They say, Candace, I, you know, I don't agree with you on every issue, but I appreciate that you're digging on this issue and that you're trying to uh, pull out the truth. And, you know, this memo, Brian, it, no one reported it in the English media. It was in the Journal de Montreal in French language, and it didn't get picked up by anybody, not by the CBC, and, you know, not by, not by anyone. So we translated it and put it out today. But again, it, shows, it just shows a lack of willingness to have a discussion when it comes to the illegal immigration that's happening along our border. Well, when Justin Trudeau says openness and transparency, do you want to know what I hear? You keep using the word. I don't think it means what you think it means. Yeah, I just hear that line from Princess Bride over and over again when he says openness and transparency. How many buildings are down there? How many permanent, semi-permanent structures are there? So there was one building that was in the process of being built. It wasn't completely finished, and it was a pretty large building. Um, I Again, I asked what it was and what was being put in there, and we didn't get a response. Alongside that, there was about three or four large tents. There was a, a trailer. There was a truck that looked like a moving truck. And then there was just a whole bunch of different uh, vehicles that were set up along there. So, and, and then also from the United States side, from the New York side, they had filled in some infrastructure. So it used to be a ditch that went down, Brian. They filled it in, um, created sort of a walkway so that the migrants wouldn't have to you know, do anything that could be dangerous. So they, they set it up to make it easier um, to, to cross in from that road, uh, Roxham Road. I, I guess Roxham Road used to go through. It used to go straight through from New York into yeah, Quebec. There, there used to be a whole pile of areas like that. And if you go to Stansted Derby Line, uh, which borders Quebec and Vermont, you know, it was an, a town where the border ran through, and they've got a an old public library where you've got tape down the middle. I mean, this is what the border used to be like, and it's not anymore. It hasn't been for decades. Right. Uh, well, since 9-11, basically. Well, even before that, it, it had toughened up before that, but still even more so since 9-11. And now we're just saying the border doesn't matter. And, and I think that annoys an awful lot of people. Right. And, you know, let me tell you, I was down there. I saw the people that were crossing illegally, and my heart goes out to them. It really does. I can't imagine what compelled them, what brought them to that point in their life where they would do that with, with small children, you know, with family. It, it's a tough situation, and, you know, the, the your, your heart does bleed for these individual people. But at the end of the day, Canada has laws, and we're a country of laws. And you know, you think of the people who are overseas suffering and waiting well, to, to get an opportunity. I, I have limited compassion there because my family lined up and came here legally. And I know your husband, Candace, and I know that his family lined up and came here legally. Mm-hmm. And nothing annoys immigrants more 
than finding out that the government's letting in a whole pile of people that aren't following the rules that they had to follow because they are strenuous rules. And, and, I, and I don't blame the country for having strenuous rules, but if you've got those strenuous rules and you're going to apply them to me in my family or Kaz in his family or any of the other millions of families that have done the same, then be consistent. And right now they're not. They're telling people, you know, I think of uh, my friend Daniel who had to jump through hoops to get his wife here. She'd been a student here, but she was a foreign exchange student. They met while they're students. They fall in love. You should have seen what they had to go through to prove that it wasn't just a marriage of convenience and get her into the country. And yet, you know, if she had just walked across at Roxham Road, no problem. Well, that's right. And I think that the reason that Canada's had such successful immigration integration in the past is because we've always had these rules that, you know, are universally applied. And Canadians like immigration, they trust immigration, so long as we think that there's integrity in the system. And what's happening down at Roxham Road, the combination of, you know, the the huge influx, the surge, it's already three times larger than last year. Last year was the highest year on record. The fact that that officials aren't allowed to talk to the public, that they're not allowed to talk to media, and the fact that Trudeau doesn't really have an explanation. And like you said earlier, he just goes back and you blame the conservative, blame things in the past when, you know, this is 2018 and things are happening today. I I think that there's a combination of things that are happening um, that could really have negative long-term effects for individuals, or for the country, I should say. And so, you know, even though, you know, a lot of people might feel compassionate for the individual people, especially the kids, that are that are being brought over through their parents ideas you know that's one thing but at the end of the day the integrity of our immigration system and those rules and applying them equally i think is is more important to most canadians all right candace thanks for the time uh you'll have something out on this soon where can we find it yeah so just the true north initiative you can find it on my social media feeds as well okay candace malcolm joining us tonight thanks so much for the time all right thank you brian I'm Brian Lilly. This is Beyond the News. You got thoughts on this? Drop me a line, beyondthenews at CFRA.com.